Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. If you've ever looked for relationship advice, you've probably heard that good communication is the key to making it work. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you've heard a lot about good communication. That's because you can't resolve things if you can't talk about them. And in my work, I talk about four areas of communication, timing, presentation, talking, and listening, with the most important one being listening. And one of my all-time favorite quotes about listening is from David Augsburger, and he said, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, there is no difference. So being heard is the first step to being understood, and this is so important for connection. So today, I'm taking another dive into communication, more specifically, something called compassionate listening, and I'm thrilled to welcome my guests, Michael Gingrich and Tom Caden. They are the founders of Someone to Tell It To. So gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about what I think is going to be a really enlightening conversation. First, thank you so much for having us on on this uh, program today. We uh, really consider it an honor and uh, we're thrilled to talk with you. Appreciate it a lot. And thank you for sharing the David Augsburger quote, because we, we have used that same quote so many times <laughs> as well, because we really like it. Mm-hmm. and um, appreciate others who, uh, who do too. So the first question is, what is compassionate listening? How is that different from just run-of-the-mill average listening? Yeah, well, we'll just start by uh, telling you a little bit about how we got started as an organization. Okay. Michael and I were dear friends. Uh, we're actually in our 10-year anniversary. We're a nonprofit And um, we just started off as really good friends and Michael kind of served as a mentor for me and uh, our relationship just took kind of took off. And, um, you know, we became each other, someone to tell it to. Uh And with that being said, we just started to see that there was just this global need for others to be heard. And so we wanted to create this safe space for people, um, whether it be through email or private messaging through social media, we have conference calls and Prior to Zoom, we utilized <laughs> Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just uh, we really could see that there was this epidemic of loneliness and disconnection happening around the world, and we just wanted to do something about it. And uh, you know, we just tried to our our our, our best ability to utilize social media for good. Um, and so that's been uh, the heart of our mission. Thank goodness somebody is using trying to use social media for good because it can be it can be quite challenging. And if and if the last couple of years have taught us nothing, it is truly the importance of connection and being able to be seen, heard and validated. So I thank you guys so much for what you're doing. Thank you. Validated is another good word there. Mm -hmm. We try to validate as much as we possibly can. Others' experiences, others' feelings, others' 
um, you know, just thoughts and, and dreams and, and whatever they're, they're ever they're going through to validate that, yes, this is real and, and to celebrate with them when, you know, they're celebrating to, to feel with them when they're feeling bad, mm-hmm. when they are overwhelmed, when they aren't sure where to turn or what to do. So that's what part of, you know, compassionate listening is. It's feeling with other people. And it, it's also not judging mm-hmm. them for what they feel or what they're going through. It is not trying to fix them, <laughs> diagnose them. It is, is simply allowing them to share where they are, what they are feeling, how they are feeling, and letting them know that all of that is real and that all of that matters and that and also we believe that compassionate listening is 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 respecting everyone and and showing people that they have value no matter who they are what they are but that they are that they are important and that sounds i mean and by the way i think that's fantastic and it sounds like well doesn't everybody do this <laughs> um you know because it it's something we all we all want. I would argue it's something we all need. And it can be so very difficult because your experience of a situation, I mean, you and I could experience the exact same situation, but walk away with very different um, perceptions of what just happened or or it landed with me differently than it landed with you. And it's not a right or wrong thing, which is what I think gets a lot of people into trouble. What I'm hearing from you is that it's just an is thing. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we um, our model as an organization is we do all of our listening in pairs, um, mm-hmm. listening two by two because we believe that there's just strength in numbers. And, and when both of our listeners are available, we call everybody someone, mm-hmm. um, you're someone, I'm someone, Michael's someone, we're all someone. And when we make ourselves available to the, our someone's, having a second person uh, who is listening alongside of us makes a big difference as well because we hear different things mm-hmm. and, as you mentioned. And, and that way we can both uh, respond and hopefully create even more dialogue because we're hearing different things. Mm-hmm. So why is compassionate listening so important for individual relationships? I think part of the answer is, is what we've already said mm-hmm. that when we are judged mm. by someone, <laughs> It does not help the relationship a lot. <laughs> someone tries to tell us what to do or fix us. Mm-hmm. That also is not necessarily good for the, the relationship. It puts up barriers and defensiveness mm-hmm. and sometimes fear. And we don't know, you know, we don't sometimes know where we stand with people or we do know where we stand and it's not always good. <laughs> and and that's, that, that is part of it. It's, it's feeling as if it's, it's, knowing that we we matter i mean the, the compassionate listening we also think is not interrupting as as much as you know we all can want, want to respond and, mm-hmm. and 
and just get our thoughts in there and our our own insights in there. But we some we too often as humans do that too quickly, and that's not very compassionate because it often shuts people down and gives them and and shows them that well, or maybe says to them that what they're saying isn't that important that it that their feelings don't matter um, or whatever. So we we hope that compassion that the compassionate part of it is that we're feeling with them and 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 really feeling as much as we can, not exactly what they're experiencing or feeling, because you can't do, you know, that's impossible, uh-huh. but that they are feeling something and that it does matter what they're feeling. It matters to them. And, and so you, you talked about, you've mentioned this word twice and it's about judgment and that is such a hurdle to get over, um, you know, especially because maybe the, the person who's sharing isn't, you know, I talked about presentation and how we share things and maybe they're not sharing it in, in a way that's easy to accept. So I'm thinking about, you know, when people will say, well, you did this or why did you, or, you know, you made me mad or, you know, all these, you know, these, these things that automatically trigger the defensive response, um, you know, and then we're, and then we're looking for an out as to why what that person experienced isn't true, isn't valid, isn't real, because it would mean I have ownership in that. So that's that judgment piece. How do we, how do we move past that? I think you kind of hinted at it to a degree, and and we actually lead a lot of groups and organizations through uh, compassionate listening training, and we talk extensively about this, but we'll kind of give you a synopsis of asking good questions, questions Mm -hmm. that uh, lead to furthering a dialogue and a conversation rather than putting people on the defensive by asking why questions. (laughs) Um, What happens when we ask why questions, as Michael mentioned, it immediately puts us on the defensive, and Mm -hmm. then we generally shut down or it aggravates us and then we lash out in anger. Uh And those are inhibiting factors to furthering a relationship that just fosters disconnection. Um, So I think how we ask questions makes a big difference. Also just not asking yes and no questions, um, questions that really draw things out uh, to try and learn more. um, Uh Because when we feel judged again we don't want to we don't want to talk uh in greater detail Mm -hmm. you know the types of questions we want to make sure that they're sensitive they're compassionate they're understanding um it's not putting people on the defensive Uh, those types of things really make a big difference and so how, because I, as, as you're saying this, and, and one of the things that I t- try to teach my clients is don't use the word you unless it's, I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life, or why, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, why, exactly. right, exactly. And, and, and never put why and you in the same sentence, because that's almost always going to, um, you know, deliver that, that defensive response that, as you well said, keeps conversation and connection from happening. It's really off-putting, you know, and so, but so if I am, if I have had a very different experience from you 
and you're sharing your experience and I'm sitting there in the back of my mind going, that's not what happened. What is, what is, what is their problem? You know, how, how do we get past that? How do we move into this recognition that, that, Yes, I I experienced it differently from you. That does not invalidate your experience. <laughs> that's, that, that's, a, that's a really good question, and I, I I'm not I'm hoping this is <laughs> part of the answer for it. We believe that to really listen well, you have to believe that the person to whom you're listening has a right to their thoughts, their feelings, their experiences, their perceptions, uh, and their, their reactions. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean we trust us. We've been in plenty of conversations with people where we don't agree with, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with their conclusions or their stance are their viewpoint that we thought you know we we have different different viewpoints from 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 them uh-huh. that's one of the one of the ways that we get it helps is that we do it together so that we know that we're not in it alone and it's something we can process when it's over among ourselves and we're not breaking confidentiality uh-huh. and it helps us to be healthy uh-huh. and be less you know less prone to judgment less prone to trying to repudiate what someone's feeling um, or thinking, um, but, but believing that they, everyone has a right to their, to their, their opinions and thoughts uh-huh. and feelings, even if we don't, we don't have the same ones. Um, but it is trying to draw them out more and understand why they feel the way, but, you know, without saying, why do you feel that right. way? But, Please, please tell us more about this. Is mm-hmm. there, you know, what what is it that led you to believe this or think this mm-hmm. or remember this? <laughs> um, does that make any sense? It, and, and it helps. It's drawing them out because we believe that the more we l- hear someone's story, even if it's a very difficult story, and they often are. Mm-hmm the more we can grow in at least respecting why uh-huh. they may act or feel the way they do. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Is oh, that, yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, because you know, when I work with my clients and you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on and they tell me their stories, it's like, well, of course you would do this. How could you not do this? I mean, it's, it's, you know, when, when they, when they go, go into that deeper explanation, it's like, oh, well, this makes perfect sense now. Um, it may still not be helpful ways of being, but, but understanding why somebody is, is feeling that way or doing that thing or whatever, it, it really does come from that place of, oh, okay. Thank you for sharing that very important information because now, now there's understanding, even, even if I still would go, even with all that information, I still wouldn't necessarily handle it the same way, but it, it, it's now clarifying as to where you're coming from. And I think that that is, you know, and, and, and again, we've got so many divides all over the place right now. Um, 
you know, and, and even within, even within our own personal, um, relationships, we can, we can have these big divides. Like, how could you possibly think this, you know, whatever this might be and, and just opening it up and giving them, giving the person that safe space to, to share. And, and it, that non-judgmental piece is so important, but it's so challenging. How do you guys move? How do you guys, what do you guys do with it when that shows up for you? Well, sometimes, sometimes just the power of pause, mm-hmm. uh, get emotionally charged in conversations, especially when we hear something we don't agree with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just taking a deep breath and, and, uh, you know, thinking thoughtfully of how we would want to, if we were in their situation, how would we, we want to be responded to? I was actually, as you were just talking there, thinking back to an episode of one of our favorite shows, um, Ted Lasso, and it's a really widely popular show mm-hmm. right now on Apple TV. And um, I encourage people just to go check out the whole episode. But there's this one episode, I think it's in season two, where Ted's this uh, the soccer coach in, in the United Kingdom, and um, he, people don't take him seriously. And he's in a bar at one point, and this other former um, uh, owner of the soccer team uh, kind of challenges him to a duel, uh, throwing darts in, in this bar. And um, Ted doesn't let on at all the fact that he grew up playing darts every Sunday with his dad. Mm-hmm. And the guy challenges him to a duel, and Ted just totally outduels him because the guy never took the time to ask uh, thoughtful questions. And he, he quotes, uh, the late Walt Whitman, who said that we need to be curious, not judgmental. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that there's a lot of wisdom there, just uh-huh. that we always ha- there's always more to learn about somebody in their story. So we have to be more curious. And, and I love that curiosity is, is one of my favorite favorite words. And I'm always, you know, when I work around communication, um, curiosity and confusion, um, it's like, I'm really curious. Tell me more about that. Or I'm confused. I was with you till this point and then I got lost. <laughs> and to me, you know, that's a way of inviting somebody to, to continue in, in a safe way without going, I think you're crazy. What are you talking about? <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but it's, it, it's a practice, isn't it? That we just have to kind of make this decision and then, and then practice it. Absolutely. And the more we hope, the more we practice it, the, the better we are at it, the better our responses, our lack of response, you know, negative response uh-huh. might be. Uh, practice is, yeah. I mean, listening is, you, you know, this, it's intentional. Uh-huh. You have to be intentional about it. You have to, and it's hard work to do it well and to do it compassionately. And we, the more we practice, uh, we hope the better we we are at it. Mm-hmm. One of the things we talked often about is just how essential it is to have a relationship with somebody that you're going to have like a sincere dialogue with. Because we had reference earlier about social media and the rise of social media and how mm-hmm. that can sometimes be toxic. I just scroll the walls of social media and you see mm-hmm. just vitriol sometimes that happens. And generally speaking, I mean, we could have a thousand friends on Facebook, but how many of those people do you have an authentic relationship with? Probably right. very few. And so if you're going to enter into a pretty emotionally charged topic with somebody that you know nothing about, it's probably not going to end well. 
Um, so how do you foster the relationship first? So that way, when there is a, an element of trust involved that you could have harder conversations about harder topics and mm-hmm. more emotionally charged topics. So I want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about communication, specifically compassionate listening, with the founders of Someone to Tell It To, Michael Gingrich and Tom Caton. And if you and your spouse struggle to communicate, well, guess what? You're not alone. But the longer this is your status quo, the more damage your relationship will sustain. And if you're ready to learn more effective ways to talk with each other, I can help. I invite you to schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this conversation about compassionate listening. So you, you mentioned this earlier and... And it's actually on your website and part of what you guys do. So can you explain the roles of inherent worth and healthy vulnerability to this concept of compassionate listening? Inherent worth to us is that every single human being has it. (laughs) That that just by virtue of our birth Mm -hmm. and our existence in this world, in this life, that we all have worth. Mm -hmm. And that we all uh, have, we all have something to say. We all have something to share. Um, some of the teletude, our name comes from a, a quote by the Australian author Miles Franklin, who wrote that someone to tell it to is one of the fundamental needs of human beings. Mm. We believe that is true. We all want validation. We all want to be heard. We want to be noticed. We all have opinions and thoughts and feelings and we we you know we believe that that we are all meant to live in connection with one another Uh in so many forms and that that connection um you know comes when we believe that the that people deserve it that that we all need it so there's that part of the answer. So I'll come back also to something you mentioned earlier, just your first question about what, what distinguishes compassionate listening from active listening or just mm-hmm. listening in general. And I uh-huh. think one of the way, one of the primary ways that we do distinguish it is, is very relational. It's mm-hmm. less transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is part of the reason why we embarked upon this mission 10 years ago was because we were realizing there is a whole world full of people that don't have someone to tell it to. Hence uh-huh. the name. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and, you know, if the fundamental principle is that everybody needs someone to tell to and we don't have it, then we need to figure out ways to provide it. And, um, you, you know, you had asked us about the healthy vulnerability piece. Well, authentic relationships, just inherently, you have to have vulnerability if there's going to be a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a pretty shallow uh, relationship. And so one of the things that we do in our listening when it's appropriate, and this is something that's really important to highlight when we feel it's appropriate to draw connection. So I'm going to share an example that we shared in our first book. 
I suffer from a condition called fibromyalgia mm. and it's not, not too many men have it. Um, and, and I do. Mm-hmm. And we were listening to a woman that we had been listening to periodically for two years, uh, every Friday afternoon at a coffee shop. Uh, we meet people in safe environments that are comfortable and a coffee shop was safe for her to tell her story. She had pancreatic cancer and it was mm. not looking good. And we just kind of expected um, she would mostly be meeting with us to talk about the looming cancer diagnosis, prognosis. Um, Mm -hmm. But actually, over time, we found out that she had this other condition that she was also dealing with called restless leg syndrome. And we didn't know much about it. But as we learned about it, she has a a really difficult time sleeping. Mm -hmm. One morning when we got together, it was first thing in the morning. We met at this coffee shop. And again, we had been meeting for probably the better part of a year at least. And, and, um, I just, she said, I had a really hard time sleeping last night. And I interjected because we had a relationship and just said, you know, I, I did too. And she asked why. And I told her about my condition with fibromyalgia. And it just, it took our relationship and our connection with her to a much deeper place because she could see us as human that we too, just like her, have our own struggles as we all do. Mm-hmm. And so, Again, that that healthy vulnerability, there is a there is a balance. I mean, we share vulnerably with our someones when it's appropriate, ultimately uh-huh. foster deeper connection. But if it's to draw attention to ourselves and not to our someones, that's when there's a problem. And and we we have a a, a quote that we will often share is when and when you when you first don't reveal, you do not heal. <laughs> that we have to, the, the thing, we have to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in order to heal. For, so for the someones to whom we listen and support, that helping them to feel safe enough to reveal. And um, sometimes that does take us revealing some things too. Mm-hmm. So they, they feel comfortable knowing that they're not alone in in scare and maybe living with some scary things or are are some scary feelings or emotions um so that that we believe that healthy vulnerability is is vital mm-hmm. to dealing to people finding peace and and the connections they need well i mean you know and and that's you know, the the vulnerability, I mean, that's, that is really the doorway into connection, but it can be so scary. And I, and I see how the compassionate listening being seen as having inherent worth and this idea that I, you know, I have this worth simply because I'm breathing and I don't have to do anything to earn it. And, you know, these, all these concepts fit really well together because if I can, if I f- know it's a safe place, um, then I can share those deeper things. And like you said, then that draws out, oh, well, I didn't sleep well last night, you know, and, and we, we find those places of common ground, which is what I really think is, is needed to bridge a lot of the gap. These are, sometimes they're artificial. I think many times they're artificial gaps between, between people. So is that, is that kind of what you guys are 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 out there promoting? You yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah, Yay! absolutely. You figured that out. Yes. Yeah. Right. You probably already knew that too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, so how can what what are some steps that people can do um, 
to become, to incorporate compassionate listening into their lives and relationships? What are, what are some of the first things people need to, or can, can jump into? Oh, wow. Well, um, I don't know. This is self-promotion. But we, <laughs> we have we have tra- we have a training team, mm-hmm. and in fact, um, uh, the, the three members of our team, our training team, and Tom and I were at a training this morning for a company of 50, 50 people, mm-hmm. uh, fifty CPAs um, who um, were learning. We wanted to know how to listen better, how to you know have deeper relationships, how to be more vulnerable, how to how to uh, maybe prevent some conflicts, then maybe how to deal with conflicts in a, in a healthy and good way. Uh, so anyone can go to our website and we can give you that address later, but, mm-hmm. uh, but go to our website to, uh, you know, look and see about tr- the training opportunities. We also have, we also have books that talk a lot, right. That we've written a lot about, um, those kinds of things, what people can do, what's good maybe not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but and as well as a podcast that we have, <laughs> uh, we, we are trying to always educate people and put things out there to help people to understand more what healthy vulnerability is like, what preventing doing what we can to prevent conflicts is like but but then doing dealing well with conflicts when they happen you know about not judging you know all the things we just talked about uh-huh. we do we write we we train we talk about those things and it's if if people can you know they they can get connected in those ways to learn and you know and and so because this this happens to be my own personal little journey that I decided probably about five years ago that this was really an area of my life that I was really going to try to focus on. And that's really about being judgmental. Um, and I do it fairly well, except when I'm driving. And, you know, then I I just I judge the other drivers. I, I haven't figured out how to not judge them because they're just because they're just doing you're stupid things. Um, you know. But um, you know, so so to me, this is a you know when I find myself making judgmental, you know, having judgmental thoughts, I usually can keep them from coming out of my mouth, but I do recognize that I have them. You know, I, I really do try to take that step back and pause and try to figure out, okay, w- you know, what is this about? Because it's usually not about the other person. It's usually about me. Um, but I'm throwing it on the other person because obviously they just cut me off and I'm not happy with them or whatever it is they've, you know, please don't get me started <laughs> on North Carolina, North Carolinians not knowing how to merge. But anyway. Um, <laughs> That's, that's a whole other show right there. Um, you know, so, so what, I mean, other than pausing, what are, because I think that that's that first step in, in this process of compassionate listening is, is kind of calling ourselves out going, what is that about? So what are, other than pausing, what would you guys recommend to do? Well, the one thing, and I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier and maybe it'll say a little bit more is Again, we we often in trainings will say that the first step, very first step is what you believe. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you believe that the person in front of you is worthy mm. of their 
of being heard, of their feelings, of their reactions. You know, even if you disagree, but are they worthy uh, human beings? Because we feel we real we believe that if you don't believe that, that you don't believe everyone is of worth, that you're not going to really listen well uh-huh. because you're not going to care as much. If that makes sense, I mean that that's part of a less what you do. Though there are lots of things you can do or uh-huh. not do, but but also what you believe. Uh, that that's something that we we speak about a lot. Yeah, and and I'm so glad you said that because that truly is the key. And sometimes this starts early on. I mean, I remember not terribly long ago, um, I was having a conversation with my mother and something had led to this conversation about what was I like as a child. And she said, well, you would hold perceived hurts to yourself and then you would explode. And I went, well, that explains so much right there because it was this, it was this judgment that what I was feeling wasn't valid. And I think that that's where it starts with a lot of times where, you know, we, we forget what it's like to be a kid and what we didn't know. And so, you know, our kids have these you know big feelings that are hard for us to deal with. And, and I think that's where the process you know, kind of gets started about, well, you know, because again, I used to tell my kids I run, ran a benevolent dictatorship. Um, I was willing to listen to what they had to say. And then dad and I would make a decision about how we were going to move forward. But I always did try to take the time to really listen to what they were, what they were saying. And I, and to me, that's a really big first step is that sound about right. Yeah. I also, I mean, I'd like to add too. I think sometimes we, we judge certain feelings. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. uh, I remember with my children, we watched this Pixar movie that came out maybe a decade ago called inside out. And I Mm -hmm. encourage you to watch that. Because I think they really hit the nail on the head when they they basically highlight, uh, let's say, six um, feelings that we all have. Mm-hmm. But how historically we've always elevated joy as being the print, the, the, the feeling to shoot for that right. we should all be joyful, <laughs> and diminishing fear and anger and disappointment and sadness. And those feelings have just as much value as joy. And uh, I think. We can all, we're all prone to, to that, to, to judge other people's feelings. And one of the things that somebody tells you that we pride ourselves is, uh, is just validating all of the feelings mm-hmm. that every single feeling. So generally we don't have too many people that approach us expressing a whole lot of joy. Um, <laughs> maybe they will after we've right. you know, journeyed with them for a while, but it's also just validating the sadness, validating the anger, the disappointment, the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all matters. It, it's all part of being human. Yeah, I, I make it a point to never talk about positive and negative feelings. I talk about easier and more challenging feelings for, for that very reason, because there is this tendency to dismiss the ones that it's like, I don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to be angry. I don't want you to be frustrated. I want you to be happy. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm feeling right now. And so, you know, we do have this this idea that somehow some some feelings are OK and other ones are not. And you know, and then that just sends them underground and they come out in not particularly productive ways because we can ignore them, but they're not going to ignore us. 
So um, yeah. any anything else you'd like you'd like the listeners to know about compassionate listening, the importance of it and how to do it? Well, again, this is probably a little bit of self-promotion, but we, we did have a book that came out this January called Listening Two by Two, A Paradigm Shift for Leaders. Mm. That's where the magic happens. And uh, in that book, we wanted to create a book that could be read literally on an airplane flight. So no one has an excuse not to read <laughs> Um, that that uh, it could be read in two to three hours, and we offer just some really practical steps that could be implemented in your personal and your professional life to be just a better leader, ultimately to be a better human. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we use an acronym, LISTEN, L-I-S-T-E-N, and then we break it down, and we'll just give you the first letter. For example, LEAN IN, mm-hmm. remove, remove barriers. We all can have barriers to our relationship, whatever they, they could be physical barriers, emotional barriers, but th- try to remove barriers. Um, so those are the type of uh, simplistic wisdom that we, we offered in this book. And we, we'd love for people to go on Amazon and, and get copies for your, yourself or, and your team. And we actually, uh, you, you talked about the, one of the, the next one or letters, uh, earlier and you, you use the word curious. Well, uh-huh. uh, the I in listen, L I S T E N, the I stands for interested and curious. Uh-huh. Again, it, it's, it's part of that whole worth that you're interested in other people's, what they have to say, what uh-huh. their experiences have been, what their feelings are, uh, what they've gone through. Uh, so to be interested, to be curious about them, to know that, uh, every person, again, every person has, important things that they can share and and offer mm-hmm. um so that you know th- those kinds of things that that's really important well, terrific can you tell the listeners where they can well i mean, i'm assuming they can buy the book on amazon but i'm sure it's available other places mm-hmm. and and how to find out more about someone to tell it to uh, our website is someone to tell it to.org and you can find out a lot of information there. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. So there are, there are daily posts uh, that that are put out. And, you know, so there are ways to learn, to, you know, to understand more about what it is we do, what it is we believe and and share with people. And they can also tune into our podcast, right. the Someone to Tell To podcast series. Well, yes. terrific. And so I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And I also want to let people know that Carl Meninger Meninger said, when we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. And I really think that's what compassionate listening invites. And you are listening to understand and to be curious and learn instead of just listening to respond. And that can make all the difference in your relationships. And so one of the things that I hope you also will continue to do to help your relationship is to continue listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.